with you. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Melissa. I serve here as the executive pastor. Um, and if you are a guest with us, we would really love to connect with you. So you can text WELCOME to 817-755-1668. Um, and a, our pastoral staff will uh, connect with you and just help you with your next steps here at the table. And again, we just thank you for coming. We know it can be kind of nerve-wracking walking into a new place. So thanks for being brave and joining us um, this morning. So um, we have been in Panama um, with a group of 10 people um, led by our uh, missionary uh, family, uh, Craig and Jennifer Also, I know they're in here somewhere, but they're there in the middle. Uh, we didn't get Jennifer and the kids. We just got stuck with Craig the last couple days. So, uh, but we were able to go to um, Panama, which um, we as a church support uh, church in a nutrition center in a girl's home there. And so um, we loved our time. I, I was like, how do I condense all of this into, you know, a short enough so we can beat everybody to lunch? I know that's important. Uh, but um, one of the things I wanted to really press upon you is why we um, partner with MANA. So uh, Craig and Jennifer work with MANA, um, primarily in Asia, Southeast Asia, but um, they take us to Panama and partner with our uh, organizations in Panama. But one of the things that they do, I think is so important, is they invest in the local pastors um, and the local organizations in the community on the ground. Um, I think this is so valuable because there's no one that knows their community better than people who live there. And so they invest there. They do nutrition centers, the orphanages, health clinics, um, I'm forgetting all the things, schools, church, I mean, they, they support so much and build infrastructure around the local leaders there, and it's sustained. So it's not like a one-off trip that we go and we never go back. We have sent teams multiple times to Panama. We're sending teams back to Nepal. So this is an ongoing relationship, which I really just struck my heart so hard the last week um, while we were in Panama. And so um, I had never been on a mission trip before. My family had never been on a mission trip before. So I didn't really know what to expect. I knew we would do and see things that we maybe have never seen or done before, but um, I didn't really know how to prepare. I just kept saying like, okay, it's we're just going to go be open. We're going to learn. We're going to see what they're doing. Um, but really, uh, we didn't know what to expect. And we got to spend time in two churches while we were in Panama. And so we flew into Panama City, drove up to Santiago, and we got to spend time um, with Pastor Maldonado's church in Santiago. And it was just so amazing. Um, one, the services were packed. Um, and I think there's, yeah, so this we're sitting at the very back, and this is like a evening service. It's not even like a Sunday morning service. They're sitting at the back and I mean, it's just packed, and people were just so warm and welcoming and, like, genuinely excited to be there, genuinely excited to meet us and, and welcome us. And um, we were able to uh, be a part of their nutrition center. They feed children every single day from the community. And what was so cool is a vast majority of the kids that were at the church where the, the nutrition center is um, were their parents weren't there. There's a bus that goes around and picks up all these sweet babies and brings them in. And there's uh, Tomasa, I think it was her name, was like everyone's grandmother. And she's the one who cooks and prepares the food and serves them. And, um, and they were just so genuinely happy to be there. And we got to color with them and just spend some time with the kids. And um, 
you could just tell this is a place I felt loved and safe and, and seen and valued. And um, then they got home, got on the bus and went home. And um, just amazing, like these parents trust this place with their children to, to um, feed them and just how happy the kiddos were to be there. And then Pastor Maldonado shared with us um, that every Sunday since October, they have had salvations and baptisms. And so in this back room, this is kind of back by their children's area, they had the, a little pop-up pool, you know, like Intex pool from, you know, Walmart or whatever, set up. And they were baptizing someone that Sunday. Every single Sunday, they had been having baptism since October, um, which is just really amazing. Um, and then from there, we got to travel to Delega and visit the Rodriguez family, um, Raphael, and Pastor Raphael and his family. Um, this is their sweet family. Oh, there's cut, some of the girls are cut off. They have a very large family. So it goes on for a while outside of that. Um, but uh, Raphael and Tracy and then their children, Evelyn, Emily, Rafi, and Elizabeth, who is a little bit right there in the front. And then they have six older girls, and we'll talk a little bit more about them. Norris, Melanie, Milady, Melania, Christy, and Elizabeth um, all live there as well. And then while we were visiting, Pastor Maldonado from Santiago, his daughter ended up being there, Rebecca, who's a rock star, and we loved getting to know her. So they have 12 people living in their home full-time, threw another girl in there for 13. So they have a very... Uh, busy, <laughs> busy home. Um, but we got to spend time in the nutrition center at their church and, and observing what's happening on a daily basis in this nutrition center. And it's really remarkable. They've been in uh, Dolega for, for 15 years. Pastor Raphael is from there, came to school in the States, and then went back there, um, took Tracy with you. And you can just see these are the kiddos that are coming for um, the nutrition center. And the food was killer, like, really good. Um, they make sure that they have a nutritious meal uh, for these kids. But this church has been a really solid presence in this community for a long time. And um, people are, are using their gifts and their talents to build this church literally brick by brick. So Pastor Raphael and Tracy shared with us that just the economics of their area, which um, probably is a lower middle class but we would see it as definitely low um, poverty, you know, a poorer area. And so they were trying to build these spaces in their church to house people because, I mean, every place is packed. You can see, I mean, there's kids everywhere. Um, that's our team serving and stuff. And so um, they build their rooms with cinder blocks. And they were trying to finish these rooms, and the congregation just couldn't give there just wasn't money to give, but they could buy a cinder block for like, what, 72 cents or something like that. Literally, people would bring cinder blocks. I think it's the next picture. Cinder blocks to the church. So they'd go get a cinder block, and they had some extra, and they'd bring it to the church. And when they had enough to build a wall, they'd put up a wall. It was just really, really incredible to, to watch what um, they're doing. That's um, go back one, two. One more. There we go. So this is at the back of their church. They're trying to finish this space. It's Bob, uh, Papa Bob. I'll tell you about him and Matt, my husband, and Pastor Raphael facing us. But they're, they're trying to finish this space. Um, and through uh, COVID, they used to use a city center um, for a nutrition center, but the city kicked them out due to the COVID restrictions. And so they had to kind of shift and bring everything um, all back on the campus. And so um, they have this, we're able to build this new room for the kiddos, and that's what we saw earlier where they were eating. Um, 
Pastor Raphael's brother, Orlando, really runs the nutrition center. He, like, drives his bus. He goes and picks all these kiddos up and uh, from the community. And it's so fun. Like, the kids will come walking up in their school uniforms. They have, like, a half day. It's very, uh, the schools are very crowded there. So some kids go from 7 to noon, and then others go from, like, 1 to 6 or something like that. So the lunchtime, the feeding time, was in that in-between. So kids would be coming or going to school. And then you see some kids ride up their bike with their little brother on the handlebars. I mean, it was just kids everywhere. They had so many kids there. And so in our time in Panama, I, I really wanted, okay, what am I learning? I want to learn something. Um, one of the things that we talked about as a team while we were there, there is nothing that I can do for them that they cannot do for themselves. It is not about me going there to, like, do something that they can't do. They are feeding kids without me. <laughs> they are doing church without us. Like, they don't need us to, to function. They got it. Like, they have been doing it for a long time. They do it well. Um, and so what is my role when I come here, when I go to places like this? What is my role? And I, I really had to think about that, and it kind of hit me in the face a couple times while I was there. Uh, many times as Christians who live in America, we, we think of mission trips and we, oh, they, okay, we're going to go help really poor people and we're going to make them feel better and make an impact and we're going to go home and be able to tell all our friends. Okay? Maybe that's it. But what if our job, our role, and the place that we're from and the, the, the opportunities that we have is to just show up? Is to make the effort to go. To say, man, you and your work mean so much to me that I will pay for myself, I will raise funds, I will take off of work, I will grab my kids, and we're going to come to you to tell you what you do matters. That you're seen. That the people who are doing the work all day, all in, matter. And no matter the distance or the difference, I am here to tell you that you matter to me. Maybe that's our role. Maybe it's to bring encouragement to bring a lift for this work they're doing. The, the work that these folks do is nonstop, nonstop. And so the encouragement that we can bring, and we're called to this, we're called to encourage. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another, build up each other, or build, <laughs> build each other up. You know, COVID has changed the world, and, and in Panama, I mean, everybody was still wearing masks. I know Texas, we don't have rules, and we loved it, you know, whatever, all the things. But, like, they were still wearing masks. They still had space restrictions. And so COVID has really separated and isolated communities. The last group they had, visitors they had, were from 2019 when Craig took a team down there. That's the last time anybody who supported this family in this church and this nutrition center went there 2019 you know they are dependent on a support for their missions and so when people can't go and see the missions that support begins to dwindle and when they can't come and tell you about the work they're doing their support really has dwindled and it can be very isolating and they needed encouragement to be seen to be cared for they need people to listen they need people to see what they are facing and it is all in all the time. And this church has become a resource, a hub for this community. And Pastor Raphael and Tracy are leaders and people are dependent on them. Very few people drive or have cars there. We went and had dinner at their house very late one night. 
We go back to um, where we're staying and find out the next morning that after we left late, someone called them, hey, I need a ride home from dialysis. They drove 30 minutes to the hospital, picked somebody up, drove her home, and as they're driving home, they got another call that someone was bit by a snake and needed to get to the hospital because the ambulance couldn't get there fast enough. So then they did it all again. This was after we left them at like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and they have 12 kit people in their home. I mean, it is all day, all night, all in, no breaks. Their brother, Orlando, this is a picture that you guys see, um, these pictures that you see behind us. He um, really is an engine that drives their projects here. And he was gifted some land, a little piece of land around the corner from the church. And so to build a home there, he sold his car to build his home. And so he's building his home. Um, that's our team kind of walking up to it. You can see it from the road. And um, the, the new pictures, they have like a little porch coming off of it now. But so like, you know, it's a two-room house. Um, and in my ignorance, I said, okay, tell me the rooms. What, what, where's the kitchen going to be? And I said, oh, it's just going to be outside until we can build it on. The faith that this man has, he wanted to be close to the church to do his work. And they're going to move in. They have two kids. They're going to move into this space. Finished or not, they just finished the roof on it. They're moving in. You know, the sacrifice that they made, it, it can be extremely lonely what they do. Because so many people do not see what happens. Because people ask, I know people ask, Bill, what do you do all week? He just sits and prays and, you know, whatever. No, I mean, like, <laughs> care for people. Meet with people. Spend time with people. And that's what uh, Pastor Raphael and Tracy do. And, and she said that, like, the encouragement she felt from this team was so different. They needed it so desperately. They needed someone to ask her how she's doing. How are your kids? And just the encouragement to keep doing what they are called to do, to be this resource, this light in this community. The next thing I learned was we need community. Every night my family would get together and we would kind of debrief on what we saw. The overwhelming theme of every single conversation was overwhelmed by the sense of community we felt. We instantly felt welcomed and um, cared for. And it wasn't about the same language. It was just about the hospitality to a brother and sister in Christ to, to feel, make them feel valued and seen and loved. They all just loved and cared for each other. We kind of joked that there were just like babies being passed from person to person. Like we were holding this baby. I'm, I'm sure they'll give a picture. So we were holding this little baby who was just the cutest little thing. And then it would go to like, he would go to the next person. And he went to Matt for a little bit. And then he um, goes to the next person. And then I look over and Miss Tracy, a lady who's with us, has two babies. And we still don't know who the moms are. Like they're just handing us their babies because they're like, oh, hold my baby for a little bit, Right. And it was just this community of, of loving each other. Get this. Both churches did this. I thought this was incredible. We would die, fall out if we did this. They stood up in front of their entire congregation and said prayer requests. I'm struggling with this. This person is hurting. I need this. And they let everyone in the congregation know what's happening. And they all prayed for each other. It was beautiful. I leaned over to Matt. I was like, we would die. Die. They spoke about special needs for the um, nutrition center and, and for special things in the church and they needed special contributions for. And people would stand up and say, I'll give $5. I'll give $10. And Pastor Maldonado just stood there. 
Anybody else? Anybody else? We would die. Golly, could you imagine? But they did. I can do five dollars. It was just this beautiful sense of community of of people loving each other and living for each other. It was so beautiful. When past a couple years ago, Pastor Raphael and Tracy were asked to take in two sets of sisters. Both had lost their moms, and they um, could not afford. To, their families could not afford to keep the. The two sets are twins and then four girls, and the four girls were like four of 12, and they could not afford to care for these girls. And Tracy said when they had first approached them, they were like, uh, no, we, our family is six. What are we going to do with these people? But then she realized, like, we're being asked because we are the place people go in our community. They think we're safe to take these girls, and they said Yes. And they have a family of six. They have a beautiful home. It's about 1,100 square feet, give or take, 1,200 maybe. So they said yes. Galatians 6.22 said, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. No one walks alone. And they embodied this. You saw this. I mean, no one's baby even touched the ground. Like, I mean, it was just like, so hot, a little heater baby on you. I mean, it was just like the way that they cared for each other was so beautiful, and it was a safe place, and they were grateful and excited to be in this place. And guys, sometimes we think of, oh, I'm going to go to church because it isolates me from the world. No, they were going to recharge to go do the work. It was so beautiful. They were so excited to be there. They wanted to be there. They sang so loud. It was like insane how loud they sang. Um, and just like the worship and the, the gratitude that they were expressing. And it was to recharge, to go out and tell their friends, hey, come and visit this community. Look what it's done in our life. It was really beautiful. Because sometimes we want to retreat into a Christian bubble and keep everyone else out. They didn't use it like that. That's not what church meant to them. God is doing such a work in me. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to be recharged. I'm going to be inspired. I'm going to be challenged. I'm going to be loved on. And then I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell people about it. And I'm going to bring them back. The invitational culture that they had was beautiful. No one walked alone. Pastor Rafi told Matt, my husband, um, they had a lot of time to spend together. And about how they intentionally reached the community. So they first feed the kids. They reached the kids. Feed them. How there's kids running around at basketball goal, and they're playing, and bikes everywhere, and so they take care of the kids. Then Pastor Rafi tries to reach the husband, and there's a couple of reasons why. One, the culture, just you know, the um, interaction between men and, and women were just very different, and Pastor Rafael didn't want any like you know jealousy or anything to happen to get into the way of that. But he also knew if a man comes to church, receives Jesus begins to live the life of a Christ follower, more than likely his entire family will follow suit and the legacy of that entire home and family has changed. He knew that and saw that. One of the things that was so eye-opening to me that Craig and then another gentleman shared that had done a lot of mission trips was a vast majority of the churches they visit are full of women and children. But yet, in Panama, Pastor Maldonado's church and Pastor Rafael's church were full of men and, and teenage boys. And it was just so unique. And women would come to the church, and this one woman came to the church, and um, 
you know, came to Pastor Raphael and said, you have to come get, you have to tell my husband to come, and he needs this so desperately, we need this so desperately, and Pastor was like, I can't just show up and be like, hey, come to church, she's like, no, you can't tell him to come to church, and you can't tell him I told him, told you to go to him, and he was like, okay, what do I do with that, but he was a carpenter, so Pastor Raphael said, hey, goes to his house, hey, I know you have, I have some work to be done at the church, can you come take a look, and the guy was like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll come Tuesday, Pastor, no, I can't come Tuesday, I'm busy, what about Wednesday, no, can't come Wednesday either, Okay, well, what day? He's like, uh, Sunday morning. Sunday morning works. So this guy shows up to get a, do a bid, accepts Christ that day. His family has been in the church ever since, restored and whole. And he built this cross and other things. What a beautiful story of the burden that Rafi carried for that woman and figured out in his context how to reach her husband and their family has changed. It's really beautiful. What if coming to church was not another checklist to do? Got to go to church, got to go to Costco, got to do da, 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 you know? It's not one of those things. It's the place that we go because of the work that God has done in us. We are all in all day doing the work of making the name of Jesus great wherever we go. So we come here to be encouraged, to be lifted, to see our family, to reconnect, and then we get to go be sent out again. I think that energy is what we fed off of, the excitement to be in church, the gratitude to be together with other believers. It was really beautiful. It was a safe place for people to go. Man, and I just, I just kept thinking, we need to do better. We need to do better. Honestly, my kids, my family, we felt more welcome and included in a church in Panama where we semi kind of can speak the language than we do in many American churches, sometimes even here. There was a hospitality that got outside of them. They got outside of themselves to be, well, they knew that I was not from there. They knew I probably did not speak a lick of Spanish, but yet they came up and embraced me and welcomed me, sat with me, tried to communicate with me. It was really beautiful. They got outside of themselves. It was just like palpable that the life change they had experienced was just like coming out of them. It was contagious. The next thing I learned was that no matter where we are, what language we speak, where we live, we all want the same things. Uh, we want healthy kids, healthy family, a way to provide, shelter, roof, you know, all of the basic things we all want that. Um, the thing I thought was so funny about this family was they are obsessed with softball. Okay, obsessed. Um, they, we got invited to come to a tournament, and it was like loud, and the an announcer, and like, you know, it was just like this awesome environment, and their softball is very different than our church softball. Like, I mean, they're like humming the ball in there. It was crazy. So like, but I'm sitting at the, the field, and I'm just kind of looking around, and I'm like, I'm at a mall, I'm a mom at a ball field. How many of us spend weekends at ball fields? Like half of y'all came in here burnt because your face because it was like the first sunny day at the ball field this weekend, right? It's the same. Dad standing over here in a huddle, yelling at the ump, talking, you know, coaching better than the coach, right? The mom over here like, like doing this, like because her kid's pitching. She's like, oh my gosh, you know, like stress. Other siblings running around dirty, getting snacks from random people. Like it was the same. It was the same. 
it's like we're all the same. The only difference is geography. I was born here. They were born there. So what does that mean, though? How do I serve? I can't do anything for them that they can't do for themselves. So what does this mean for me being in their community, being there? How do I serve? I mean, the guys helped paint. God bless Matt. He's like, oh, painting, you know. But that was going to happen whether or not Matt Forgey showed up. Kids, we help serve food. It's great. We love doing it. Probably ate more than I served, I'll be really honest. It was so good. That happens regardless if we show up. So how can we serve this family? How can we serve this community? 1 Peter 4.10 says, Just as one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied, uh, of the varied grace of God. We all have gifts that we're given. And the service, the use of those gifts is like the embodiment of the love of Christ towards others. So when we serve it, it's the embodiment. When we went there, we didn't really have like a, a set plan of what was going to happen or what we're going to do. I brought soccer cleats because I was super excited that we're going to, I love soccer. And so I brought a bunch of cleats, not knowing they all love softball, which was weird. But, but a lot of kids like love soccer down there. Actually, we're about to play Panama to qualify, which we need to win. So anyway, so side point. But anyway, so we had cleats, tacos. That's what they're called, tacos. All the kids loved them. It was so cute. And they're all running around these little babies and cleats, and we ran out. And so um, we needed more. So I got on Instagram, hey, if anybody at home wants to help us buy more cleats, shoot me Venmo. We got to get some more cleats. And then Tracy mentions the girls need softball equipment. And this is funny. Tracy's so funny. She's, like, sweet and little. And, like, she is, we're the same. Like, so competitive. She told me, she's like, listen, I had to start a new team. I don't know if the softball pictures are back up. Oh, they're the Takas in church. Um, okay, so they have a pink team and a blue team. The blue team's, like, the good team. And Tracy started the pink team because she's like, I don't want to mess up the blue team with all the bad players. So we have another team. So I can keep the blue team because the blue team's going to win the championship. And then the pink team is going to, you know, whatever. So it's so funny. But um, she was like, we need, we really do need some softball equipment. So, you know, get on and say, hey, they need softball equipment, you know, just asking people back home. And I can see as we're talking, Raphael is looking very concerned. And, like, he's kind of shaking his head, and um, he's like, those are wants, they're not needs. And Tracy shared with us, it has, it has been very, very, very tight. All the kids needed shoes. There was things that they needed done at their house. Like, this were definitely wants. But then I looked at Venmo, and I could not believe what was coming through from so many friends back here, and it was just, like, so beautiful. And I asked, you know, do you guys have needs? What are your needs? And she was sharing how much they needed shoes. And so Craig and I gathered up the team. I said, okay, we got, like, $50 a kid. Like, we can give it, take everybody. $50 can go a long way. And Craig goes, oh, let's just, let's just let them have 100 And I was like, I, but we have $50 for, like, $14, $50 a kid. You know, $50 a person. He's like, oh, let's just do 100 and we'll just believe that it comes in. I was like, Okay, Craig. So, um, sure enough, <laughs> it did. And um, so we decided, much to the chagrin of Pastor Raphael, all right, we're going to go shopping. Everybody gets $100. And it, it goes a long way. Like, shoes were like $3.99. Like, it was a long way. So we loaded up the vans, and we go to the Panamanian Mall, which I was like, is this a mission trip? I don't know what's happening. So, like, 
But we go and we split up and we take the girls and everybody goes shopping. And it was so great. We have a bunch of dudes. You see all the guys kind of in the, towards the back. And they take these girls and they went shopping. And so, like, they're so sweet. Like, Papa Bob, older gentleman in the middle, he's, like, carrying the bags, you know. <laughs> like, and then it was, like, time to go to the undergarment thing. And, like, Craig freaks out. All the guys just, like, scatter and disappear. And it's, like, me and Tracy and we're trying to, like, help them and everything. And um, Rebecca Pastor Maldonado, who's just a daughter, who's just a doll, and she was like, me too? And I was like, yeah, of course. And, like, people were just so generous. And um, she's like, do you mind if I get some stuff for my mom? She really needs some stuff. And it was just, like, the most precious moment. And so here are all of us, these dudes, like, helping these girls ta- uh, shop. And um, it was eye-opening for me. I go shopping with my daughter. We fight the entire time. We might get something. I usually take it back, and it's horrible. Right? Right? Rise in here. She's like, yes, it's all right. Unless it's shoes, then we agree. But anyway, so, but I just had this moment of watching these girls. They've never done this. Never had a mom take them in. Show them. I don't know. It just, in a way, it was like, man, I take this for granted with my kid. You know, just watching these girls overwhelmed on how to even care for themselves. And as we were shopping, Matt and Raphael were avoiding us and uh, trying to shop for Raphael. They ended up buying fans, which is like such a dude thing, right? A um, little bit in the middle, she got her a Polly Pocket thing. She was very excited about that. It was really sweet. But, so, but he was talking about how helping can hurt at times, and he's talking about how um, they have, like, a side business where they're trying, they do screen printing or whatever, and so someone in the States heard about it, sent them, like, a fancy mouse, 20 bucks, you know, a mouse to do the work or whatever, so they have to use this third-party system to ship things in, and so it goes by weight and by uh, value, so he goes in to get this $20 mouse, and they're like, well, that looks expensive, so it cost him $50 to get this mouse from this delivery company. $50. And he felt obligated because someone was trying to help him. And that opened our eyes big time. We can't do anything for them that they can't do for themselves, but we can make it more difficult for them to do stuff out of maybe good intentions or naive intentions. We have the gift of geography. We are sitting at the top of the wealth of the world. No matter where you are, if you're sitting in this room, you are wealthier than a vast majority Craig could probably tell you the statistic, 98% of the world we are wealthier than. We make six figures and still live paycheck to paycheck. They're supporting a family of 12, plus helping Orlando and his family on what, when they can, on hundreds of dollars a month. Not thousands, hundreds. Faithfully serving, because that's what God called them to. God didn't call me to that. God called them. But God can take my gift and use it to help them do what they're called to do. What if our gift in relation to foreign missions is encouragement and money? What if that's our gift? And I know that makes us squirm, like, oh my God, you're going to ask me for money. Listen, the way they spoke about money was so refreshing was so refreshing. So this is how much we make. This is how much we need. This is how much support we get. This is how much the congregation gives. It was just like so honest. 
They all do businesses. The girls make scrunchies. And so I forgot to wear my earrings that Elizabeth, uh, Emily made us. But, you know, scrunchies and jewelry and sell cookies. And Raphael does websites for $10 and trades labor for it. And, like, just they do all these things to make ends meet. And Tracy saves their change to treat herself to an ice cream. So she saves change as she gets it. But the lack of money was not stopping them from doing what God's called them to do. They provided for those girls. They said, come on, girls, and they made a way. They built, in a, built on an addition on, on the back of their house for those girls to live. They didn't say, well, let me get the money, and then yes. They said yes, believing that God would provide for them, believing that God would be faithful, and he is faithful through us, through us being compelled to serve people that are doing the kingdom work day in, day out, just getting rid of all excess, all comforts, to be all in to reach people for Christ. Whatever, whatever gifts we're given, we give them and serve them and give them away to God's glory. I want to see lots of teams go to Panama. I know there's a trip in Nepal coming up this summer. I want to see as many people go my daughter had the best line of the trip. She said, everybody needs to go on a mission trip. Yes. Changed our life. We will never be the same. I want to see so many pe people go and, and experience what we experience and, and to see the church changing in community. One kid, one meal, one family, one interaction at a time, over time, all in, all day. It was beautiful. I want to see... Us help, though, in real tangible ways. That's what I want to see. They don't need us to come and paint the church. They, will, they can do that themselves. But guess what? They need money to paint the church. To put a kitchen in Orlando's house to finish a floor so there's not dirt there. To put more rooms in a church to, to hear the gospel. To fix a bus that's the sole way for kids to get a nutritious meal. To make sure every kid goes to school with a pencil and a notebook, and shoes, to have a Bible in their heart language, to make sure those girls win every stinking championship they play in. What if that's our gift? To encourage and to send resources. And I, there are thousands, thousands of examples in scripture of why we should care for the missionary, why we should care for the poor, why we should care for the oppressed and the marginalized and the traveler and the, the pick it up and read it, you can find it in scripture to care for people. We have been given the gift of wealth purely based on birth. We should want to see this church thrive and this family thrive. And there's all these biblical reasons that we should. We read them in, in Matthew 5. We read just to, 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 to serve 25, to, to care for the hungry and the oppressed and the sick. We read all of these things. Guys, that should compel us, but we should because we can. We should because we can. We have access, we have choices that people around the world do not have, and we have the ability to make real difference in places that are doing hard work. And yes, there are places to serve here, and yes, there are people to give here, yes, I know, I hear that excuse all the time, 
We have 17 consistent sponsors to these projects in this church, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Over the last year, the table has given over $20,000 to manage and support the nutrition centers and the homes. 141 kids are served by these organizations. It is incredible. For the same price as a family of four going to eat Chick-fil-A, $28 a month, you can feed a kid for a month. 20 bucks. Don't go to Chick-fil-A one time. It is 20. I trust me. I take four to Chick-fil-A. It's getting a little pricier. But through those 17 people and through the generosity of giving to the missions fund at the table, we support all over Pan- or in Panama, all over Nepal, all over India, orphanages, 17 people. What would 100 do? What would 100 people doing $28 a month do? You would support families like this. Cut them off again. Darn it. I'm going to tell them sorry. They need our support. I believe we can support them. They need our support, plain and simple. Orlando needs our support. His family needs our support. They need to finish the nutrition room. They need to finish construction. They want to put AC in rooms. It is so hot there. Lord, give them AC. You know what I mean? Like, it's simple things. Over the next year, we want to be able to send this, this family and this church $10,000 over the next year. $10,000. That finishes rooms. Y'all, we could blow that out of the water. I believe that God is going, I think the thing that this trip taught me is that God does provide. God does provide. And the last thing that is the gospel still matters. I know that's a does statement, but it does. And I needed to be reminded of that. Papa Bob, he's a sweet church. This is their church. This is Papa Bob. Papa Bob is a very conservative gentleman from Virginia. I don't know, by way of Albany, New York, something like that. I don't know if me and Papa Bob were going to get along. But he's now my favorite person in the world, as you can see. Papa Bob and Craig talked about why Panama was different than other places they go in the world. That haven't heard the gospel. That people who are seeking other religions and other idols and all these other things, how it's dark and heavy. The joy that we experienced in Panama was purely because of Jesus. And through the work of those families, those people in that community were different than so many communities around the world. It was radiant joy, and it wasn't about money or what they had or didn't have. It was the joy of the Lord, and they relished in it, and they relished in their time together. They relished in their time with believers. They relished in their time with the church. It was oxygen. It was life. The gospel is life, and it brings hope in unexplainable ways, and we will never be the same. And I know we're going back, and we're going to stay connected to these families, but We need community here in Panama, everywhere. We need encouragement here in Panama, everywhere. We need to know that the the God that sent Jesus to us, that came close, can still do a mighty work in Saginaw, Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas, in Panama, in Nepal, and to the ends of the earth. Because he's doing it today and will continue to do it. Our job is to jump in and figure out how to help and use the gifts that we were given. And as we close today... I would like to, for you guys to pray for some people really quickly. I'm going to have 
This is Pastor Raphael. It's my husband, Matt. Um, I'll ask you guys to be praying for them. Um, we can just, just quickly go through these stuff. That's Tracy. Um, I loved her. This is Elizabeth and my daughter, Ryan. Elizabeth and Ryan were our besties for the resties now. And so they had a cute. This is my son, Matthew. Pastor Raphael's youngest boy, Rafi. And then the, this is Evie. Um, Evie has cerebral palsy. And um, it was so awesome to see him interact with those boys. They were giving him a hard time and razzing him. And he was just one of the guys. And um, this is a crew of women that were just so beautiful that I got to spend, we got to spend time with. Rebecca's right next to me. This is my soccer team. Um, these boys, I'm recruiting them. They were all my soccer players, and they were very fast and very good, and I want them to play on my team. Um, and then these are, again, the girls um, that are living with um, the Rodriguez family. Um, this is Evie and his dad, Evie uh, Mer Merida Medio. Um, and then Hermes was on our team, too. Um, beautiful family, beautiful story. The women that we got to spend time with, I ask that you pray for them. The men had an amazing night of testimony outside. Um, I ask that you continue to pray for what's happening with Ryan and some of the kiddos at coloring and spending time with. And, oh, look at these sweet babies. That's Rebecca. Um, it's Orlando's girls. And, like, those are our kids, you know? It's no different. So I just ask that you pray. Pray for them. Pray to be involved. Don't just sit back. We have an opportunity to really help and be a part of something really good. And I just look at those faces and be like, man, it's so worth it. So pray with me. Lord, um, I just thank you so much for what you are doing in um, Golega and Santiago, Lord, and Nepal and India and around the world, Father, that... Um, there are people who are just being so faithful to the call that you've placed on their life, Lord, and I just ask that you continue to make a way for them to do good work, help their families thrive, help their families know that they are loved and seen and valued and that we care about them, Father, and help the lessons that we've learned of community and joy and the gospel, breathing, breathing the gospel in and, and being in front of you, Lord, um, is central to our lives as believers. Father, I just thank you for our time in Panama. I thank you for the Rodriguez family. I thank you for um, the El Faro Church. I just thank you for our time there and how impactful it changed our family forever. And I just hope that we see you more clearly as we walk um, throughout this world. It's in your name we pray.